1: My friends, we are rocking on a Thursday night in the St. Louis area. Welcome everybody. Post Cardinals game at your service. Um, I don't know if this is a familiar voice. Uh, It would be, I guess, if you do tune into Camel X, which I hope you do on Sunday afternoons and have for many years. Yes. My name is Dave Simons. By day, I am a certified financial planner, but occasionally at night they do let me out and play a little bit. And I get to spread my wings and not just talk about financial things. So it's always a privilege when I get to fill in during a weeknight and just talk about other things that are happening. Yeah, sometimes I will still delve into uh, my area of expertise, which is the financial markets. And by the way, that is a major topic of discussion. But you know what, I only have 50 minutes with you tonight. Typically, this segment is from 8 to 10, but because of the Cardinals exhibition game going a a little bit longer, uh, and I knew it would. Look, it started at 540. So when they said, hey, you're gonna fill in and you'll come in post Cardinals game and you'll take us till 10 o'clock. And I started to do the math, I thought, okay. So if the game only goes two hours and 20 minutes, all right, that takes us to eight o'clock and I'll have a full two hour show. But this is modern day baseball, and baseball games unfortunately do not last two hours and 20 minutes. Um, they average now, uh, I think the latest average was like 310. Now, during my heyday growing up, watching baseball, I having two hours and 20 minute baseball games seemed to be the norm, maybe. Maybe it was a little bit longer, 2.30, but you, you rarely saw three-hour games. And I know that that's one of the things that they're trying to uh, clear up. But I digress, all right, uh, getting in acting like I'm the sports guy here, and we'll let the sports guys uh, and their expertise uh, do their thing. Uh, I want to – you know what, I just thought about this. It's 9 – okay, it's a little after 9 o'clock here, central time zone. In just a few hours – We not only turn the calendar away from March, but also the first quarter, which also means it's April Fool's Day. How many of you still really get into that kind of thing? I admit I'm a kid at heart, and I still occasionally engage in an April Fool's prank like I'm some third grader. I, I love it. I've been the victim of some of them, of course, but I love dishing it out. I've had some classic ones. I won't bore you with the details. Some some of you might think, well, that's actually kind of mean. I, you have to pick your victims carefully. They have to be a good friend, and they have to uh, know how to dish it as well as take it. How many of you, this is a very awkward segue here, but how many of you, when you either watched it live or heard about it minutes, hours, the next day, this whole Chris Rock, Will Smith story, might have thought this was an April Fool's joke. Now, I don't know that you actually would have said April Fool's, but you thought it was a put on. It was fake. I don't remember how I first heard about it. I I was not watching it live. I think maybe I saw it, someone texted it to me, or maybe I was looking on the internet later that night. I did know about it that night somehow. And my first reaction was one of skepticism. All right, we've seen this before. Okay is this a, a little bit of a put on whose career is is sort of like behind them and their t- well not Will Smith he's certainly still a top dog chris rock at 57 years old is still selling out as a stand up comedian so hmm why why would they do this oh i know the oscars themselves the academy They've been desperate to try to get viewership back on and up and and talking about that Hollywood again, which has been sort of dying in the public eye in recent years and and by their own self-inflicted wounds, by the way. But once I actually watched the video, and I watched it again and again, and then you start to see the reaction of people, and then you start to sort of put things together. And then the next day, when you start you start to see the reaction of folks, and then it dawns you, oh no, this was real. This was not fake, it was not set up, this is a real thing. And this is the way my brain works. So I I'm watching it again on Monday morning, and I just kind of I freeze it right before Chris Rock does his joke about G.I. Jane and Jada's hair. And I just I froze it there for a second. I thought. This is a really interesting part of time here. Who knew that literally in seconds, the career trajectory of two well-known men are about to go in wildly different directions? In just seconds, I'm I'm looking at this, this moment in time. Who knew that days later, the man that is on stage now, Chris Rock, is not only going to be, Doing his gig at a stand, uh, a, a sold out only crowd in Boston. But that people would start paying $1,000 or more or ticket. And also, by the way, before he even got to his first joke, they would give him a five minute standing ovation. If someone told you that as you're looking at Chris Rock, you're like, uh, I don't get that. What happened? Oh, and this guy sitting over here, see the Will Smith looking very dapper. He's about to win it, his first Academy Award for Best Actor, which by the way, I I told my wife after watching King Richard and I watched most of the Academy Award nominated movies, a um, big movie buff. I said, he's going to win an Academy Award for that um, that acting job. I mean, minutes into his portrayal, of Richard Williams, you you forgot he was Will Smith. An unbelievable job of showing the dark side of the Williams sisters' father, but also making him human and making him somehow, despite all the darkness, a very likable character. And you rooted for him. That was quite an acting job, and, and I said right there, that guy, he's going to win it, man, and I'm a big Will Smith fan, so there he is. Who knew that he was about to do something that would change his reputation forever? Now, I'm not saying that he will never be in another movie. He most likely will, but it's, to me, even a more dramatic thing than, than what happened to, like, Tom Cruise, All right, Tom Cruise didn't assault anybody, but he got really weird in the Scientology movement. And a lot of people who were big fans of Tom Cruise finally said, you know, I'm kind of out. He's just a little weird for me. Now, he still acted in movies and had some blockbuster hits, but kind of things changed for him. I think that's what's going to happen with Will Smith, at least for a little bit. Now, I have a little bit of a different take I want to get to after this uh, first commercial break. The last thing that you need is another guy on here saying, you know, this was a man who assaulted another man, and that's not good. And he should be, he should be stripped of his academy. You know, everybody has an opinion of this. You don't need some other guy bloviating on the radio about his opinion, all right? I, I, but I have a little different viewpoint on this. I want to come at it from a different angle because it's a larger commentary of where we are in society based on some things that were said, I don't want to dip into politics. Some of you who are very on edge about these things will, will will start to, you know, the hair will come up on the back of your neck when I start to get into some of the the woke culture. Bear with me. It's not going to quite be what you think, but it's very interesting of some responses that came out of this uh the other night so i'll take a break we'll dig into that and to show you that i'm an equal opportunity antagonist i'm going to kind of hit both sides of this so stay with us my name is dave simons and you are listening to at your service on camo x call from mom answer it
0: call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
0: all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League Home Run Leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look ins on MLB Big Inning. You know how to make friends with the host. Yes, you do. A little speed Speedwagon on this Thursday night as we close out March and head straight into April Fools. I love it. A little keep pushing on. Uh, All right. 923 in St. Louis. So how many of you know Glennon Doyle? Uh, If you're a woman, there's a better chance that you know her than if you are a man. Uh, I certainly wouldn't know her if I was not married and did not have a 27 year old daughter. But um, Glennon Doyle is the best way to put it, kind of a self-help guru, if you will. She started a blog a little bit more than a decade ago that really took off. She talked about struggles in life, particularly as it relates to female struggles. And um, fast forward to today, and she's written three best best-selling books, her last one, Untamed, um, even singer Adele is a big fan of that book and of, um, of Glennon Doyle. So she's got a huge, huge following, huge following. Um, and so she decided that she was going to, you know, get, um, text something and give everybody her take about what happens Sunday night at the Oscars between Will Smith and Chris Rock. So she... Refer to the, the uh, if you recall, if you saw this, Will Smith, when he went up and accepted his award, he kind of apologized. By the way, he never apologized, as we know, to Chris Rock directly. There was a rumor that he did, but Chris Rock uh, has even come out and said at his stand-up shows here in the last day or two, no, that never happened. He's never heard directly from Will Smith. But Will Smith said, love will make you do crazy things when he was up accepting his award. And so here's Glennon Doyle with her take, and she wrote, violence is never proof of love. That's a deadly idea that has fueled and excused domestic and all violence for far too long. Think hard about that take, please. All right, reasonable thing from, uh, I guess, someone who wants to preach love to everyone out there, as Glenn Doyle puts it. Well, I don't think she was expecting some backlash From some people who apparently have nothing better to do than to be, uh, shall we say, bothered by any little utterance that anyone might make. And that's the culture in which we find ourselves today. So she, uh, the next, I I, I don't know if it was hours later, was it the next day, whatever, because she wrote that original text literally that night of the Academy Awards. She followed it up a little bit later with this. Since I posted my last text, many women I respect have told me that as a white woman, this is not my conversation to have. That there is much about tonight that I don't understand. Of course, referring to Sunday night. That I should sit this one out and listen. So that is what I'm going to do. And then she deleted her original text that I posted that's really sad that she felt the need to do that. When she could have said, you know what, you, you, you're right. There are certain things that I as a white woman cannot and should not talk about if it is something to do with something within the African-American culture that I could never understand. I will listen and I will keep an open mind, but... Th- this conversation over here, I probably should just sit on the sidelines. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a man who thought it might have been like 1800 and wanted to challenge someone to a duel, if you will, feeling that his wife was aggrieved by a joke from a stand-up comedian and went in and just didn't punch him but slapped him. That's that's a whole that's that's a whole other discussion there so for hurt for glennon doyle to back off and say yeah i was wrong i i should have kept my mouth shut that is if that's the direction our society is going think about this we can make a list of who we are right a- as a human being so you are male or you're female you are White or you are a person of color. You are American or you are a foreigner. You are rich. You are poor, maybe somewhere in between. You are um, able-bodied or you are disabled. You, uh, you're faith-based or you are not. You are heterosexual. You are homosexual. You are, Okay, so you see where we go. We could do this all day long. So apparently what some people believe is You can only stay in your lane. Now, hear what I'm saying and not what I'm saying. Yes, there are certain conversations that I, as an aging, bald, white male, should not give my opinion on what it's like to be a young black teenager being stopped by the police. I I have not lived that life. I can't speak into it. And I would deserve to be called out by giving my opinion as if I know what that's like. Okay? I hope we're on the same page here. What we saw Sunday night has nothing to do with any of that. This is a man who somehow, the chivalry part, decided to go back many decades, if not centuries, and take the physicalness of this into his own hands and teach another man a lesson. I think we've evolved here a little bit. And I'm as much of the machismo American as anybody. I'd like to think I have evolved. There is a time and a place to get physical, I think, with another man, if you feel like your wife has been taken advantage of. I think there are some things we don't even need to discuss to say, now it's appropriate. Sunday night was not that time with 15 million people watching. I mean, come on. So then there is, how many of you have heard of Adam Grant? brilliant guy. Just wrote a book recently last year called Think Again. Great book. I highly recommend it. Very well-known guy. Also has a huge following. He's a, I think he's a professor at the Wharton School up at um, University of Pennsylvania, but um, his specialty is organizational psychology. And yeah, he's as brilliant as that title sounds, but he really kind of dumbs it down for people like me to understand it. Well, he also, the same thing happened to him, by the way, The same thing happened to him as it did to Glennon Doyle, but he handled it differently. Let me pull this up here. So he also posted, and this was on Instagram, right after the slap happened. He wrote, assault is not an expression of love. It's a symptom of what psychologists call precarious manhood. In cultures of honor, men rationalize aggression as a means of maintaining respect and perpetuate cycles of violence. The best way to protect others is to break the cycle. And then he updated it and said, yes, he got the same kind of reaction. by a." And this is a very small group. They're hardly worth making mention of, but they're loud and in your face. And they said he had no right to speak into that because of who he is. So um, he said, as opposed to Glennon Doyle, he said, no. I'm not gonna be silenced here. So let me go right to this. He said, okay, some people said that as a white man, I should stay silent on an altercation between two black men about one's tasteless joke about another's wife. And then he talks about, yeah, you're right. There are complex layers of racial trauma that I'm never going to fully understand. And then when I get to the best part here, Here it is. I believe that people of all backgrounds, however, have the right to contribute to conversations about violence and injustice. I'm not in the business of hot takes. I'm not a pundit or an activist. I'm a psychologist. I weigh in on cultural events when social science offers a novel and useful lens for understanding them. So amen to Adam Grant. Now, why did I tell you that? What I have found, and I need to take another break here, what I have found is the way that our culture has progressed here in recent years, it's it's very troubling to me that I still believe that most of America sort of resides in the middle. If you're at the 50 yard line and you're looking out on the football field, all right, and America is the football field, and there's to your left, that's people who reside on the left politically, and then to your right, on the right side of the football field. Most people are sort of going to be between the 30-yard lines and toward the middle, somewhere in there. And then the number of people start to diminish the farther you go out to the 20, the 10, the 5, into the end zone. And you don't have a lot, but they're the loudest ones. They're the ones who are screaming. They're yelling. They're making life miserable, and they're actually making society a worse place to live. And we have to answer to them, or maybe we don't. That's kind of what we're seeing here in a little microcosm of what I just quoted, that people say, hey, I want to call that violence thing out that I saw Sunday night is is wrong. And then all of a sudden they're being called out for it. One woman says, oh, you're right. I better shut up. Wrong. The other guy says, no, no, I'm not going to be silenced. There are certain things that I won't speak into because I shouldn't. But this is one of those things that I think we should all agree on and have the discussion about. So after the break, I'm going to come back and now talk about the fact that this also happens on the right. I kind of hinted that this was more on the left, right? This is kind of that woke culture. Both sides do it. So we talked about the left side of the football field. It's starting to happen now on the right side. As as parties sort of eat their own a little bit. And it's not good. So stay with us. My name is Dave Simons and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Dave Simon. So good to be spending this Thursday evening with you. A little blast of winter still. It always happens, man. You get into March and you think, OK, it's coming spring. No, nah, no, nah, not yet. Not yet. We've we got to get through March and even into April. Yeah, we occasionally have snow and have a chance of it overnight. Um, but anyway, welcome back in my little short stint tonight following Cardinals baseball. They lost tonight in spring training game by a score of seven to four. All right. So if you are a student of American history and politics, you know that things, the pendulum swings, right? And it 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 swings very slowly, but it keeps swinging, 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 gets a little too far out there. And the American public says, nope, that's too much. Let's bring her back this way. And it's slowly swing, 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 can last for years and years and years, and it gets too much and people start electing uh, unfit people for office. Okay, we've had it too much and we bring it back. That's the way American society has always been and always will be. And frankly, recently, you could argue it's one of the reasons why Donald Trump got elected in 2016. So many people said the woke left has gone too far. We need somebody to just kind of break things. All right. who's not afraid to call it out and that's what you got you got the era of trump along with that though comes people uh, who are also elected on the uh, heels of that and the party in power says uh-oh we got a little problem we have some very loud voices who are causing a problem for our party and if we're not careful our entire party is going to be be defined by this small minority of loud voices. That's sort of what's happening now in the Republican Party. We, we know about the left side and the so-called squad and led by AOC and people talk about Bernie Sanders. OK, that's been going on for a while. But more recently, last couple of years, it's starting to happen now on the right. And now the far... The, the folks in the end zone, all right, the far left, the far right, they're trying to out crazy one another where the rest of America that that kind of resides within those 30 yard lines on both sides. Look at it and go, am I in the minority or should I be one of the crazies out here? I bring that up because at, at after a while, finally, party leadership stands up and says, OK, we got to stop this. They tolerate it up to a, a point. So we saw this with Nancy Pelosi and a lot of the friction that she's had with AOC. Every time that Nancy Pelosi starts to speak up and say, uh, you know, kind of, you kind of stay in, her, in your lane, she lashes out at the House leader, Nancy Pelosi. That's the danger that you have. You have to try to keep those loud extremist voices within your party in check, but it's a very delicate dance. So this is happening on the right right now. I think a lot of you know the name of Madison Cawthorn, who is um, well, let's say he's been prone to uh, tell some fabrications. He's also been prone to run into problems with the law, of uh, which we won't bore you with here. You can look that up. But just as Russian tanks were rolling into Ukraine a few weeks back, Cawthorn, who, by the way, is 26 years old, and he is the youngest congressional member. In the Senate, you have to be at least 30. So there's no one under 30 in the Senate. In the House, you have to be 25. So when he won election last year, he, that was it. He, Hawthorne was 25 years old. He's now 26. So he calls President Zelensky of Ukraine a thug. He said Ukraine is, quote, incredibly evil. And people are like, what? What are you talking about? But, and and, and the right, the leadership, Kevin McCarthy and those people is just like, ah, can you not, can you not say that? You're making us all look bad. I think we're going to really sweep the elections in the midterms. Don't blow this for us. Come on, please. Well, this past week, you may have heard about it. He made this bizarre assertion. He was on a conservative YouTube channel. And he said that people that he once looked up to at Washington, presumably Republican lawmakers, I'm guessing, invited him, this 26 year old guy, to orgies. And they used cocaine in front of him. I mean, this sounds like right out of um, Eyes Wide Shut, right? Stanley Kubrick movie, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. It, it, that's the picture he's painting. Right when I heard that, I like, this guy has already been prone to hyperbole, hyperbole and, and even lies. This, is, this can't be true. I guess it could be. It's Washington, D.C. But he just said it so casually. So, of course, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, after getting a lot of heat from his colleagues, going, would you shut this young kid up, would you? So he met with McCarthy this week. And Cawthorn admitted to him, uh, yeah, it's not true. I, I don't know what gets into me. I'm a young kid, all right? I, 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 I kind of made it up. So, one of the things that jumped out at me when I heard this was this is what we've become now. We're electing people, these extremists on both sides. That the other side is trying to define the opposing party by those extremists. This is a gift to the Democrats. People like a Paul Gosar of Arizona or a, a Lauren Boebert of Colorado. These are gifts to the Democrats. Meanwhile, the members of the squad led by AOC and others are gifts to the Republicans. And the leadership on both sides don't know what to do with these voices. See, I told you I'm an equal opportunity antagonist. I'm playing both sides because it's true. I'm not just trying to be friendly here. It is true. I I definitely reside on one side politically, but I am not going to sit here and say that the other side doesn't it shouldn't at least be heard. I've always had an open mind. I'm a very curious guy. I love sitting down and hearing from others who don't agree with me as long as the conversation is civil, and 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 if it's not, I will not engage. But you can learn so much by actually listening. You got two ears and one mouth. There's a reason for that. And so I love to do that. And you find out if you really are not ideologically blind to what's happening in the country, you can look at your own party and say, we have some problems. I look at my own party and I say, we got some problems. We're trying to out-crazy the other side they used to have a monopoly on this and now we're no better it's very interesting one of the things that jumped out at me though I was about to say is can we maybe increase the minimum age in such an important position as the house of representatives look my daughter is 27 my son is not old enough yet he's 24 so he could not run but my daughter I I know I'm speaking as a proud papa here highly intelligent young lady top of her class in high school college uh, a master's degree working on her phd she works for a university in the in the psychology department she also very high character high morals i mean just a, a wonderful young lady she's getting married to a great guy a year from now i mean we're talking potential leave it to beaver kind of stuff she's not qualified to be a member of the house of representatives why because of lack of life experience. That's important to me. You have to have lived life. You have to know the pain of it. You have to know the joy of it. You have to know what it's like to get knocked down a couple of times and get back up and do it with a smile on your face. You have to learn how to be humble when good things are happening to you. And that just comes with living life and getting yourself out there. And you can be the most accomplished 25-year-old in the world, and you still don't have what it takes, I don't believe, to serve politically at that high of a level. State politics, fine. Local municipality, fine. I would. I wish they would raise that. And Madison Cawthorn is a perfect example about that. Now, that, that may not be fair to other 26-year-olds who would say, hey, don't put me in just because I'm." he's 26. I get it. I get it. So I get back to life experience. But this guy is really immature. And it's, uh, I think, a black eye for the Republican Party, in my opinion. All right. That's it. I don't like to dip into politics. I had to there because this is very fascinating to me in a midterm political year. And it always happens where we swing the pendulum one way or the other And when it's all said and done, both parties, both sides just kind of tend to eat their own a little bit. And it finally comes back to haunt them. We're going to come back and close out this into my true area of expertise on the financial side. I do have some closing comments about the state of our economy and all this talk about inflation and where we may be heading in the financial market. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, my friends, it is 9.52 in St. Louis. It's been short, it's been sweet, and it's about to end here. Dave Simon's with you on At Your Service on Camo X tonight. Uh, maybe on it a couple of weeks again. I don't know. That seems to be the thing. I still do the Dollars and Cents show every once in a while, although now we are getting into baseball season. I won't be on much at all on Sunday afternoons. Uh, But maybe still occasionally filling in on the evenings. But then again, baseball, yep, they do play night games uh, during the weeks, too. So um, probably won't hear much from this voice until next fall. And many of you are saying, thank goodness for that. Stagflation, 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 stagflation. We've been hearing that word a lot lately, haven't we? Stagflation. Here we go, 1970, stagflation. And people, you say, well, what do you think stagflation is? I don't know, but it's bad. Okay. Stagflation is really a compound word. It it takes stagnant, combines it with inflation, and you have stagflation, and that ain't good. Because in real inflation, like we have today, the economy you would still like to see grow, and you'd like to see the workforce still very profound and, and uh, the unemployment is still fairly low. And that's what we have. We don't like inflation, but at least the economy is still growing and unemployment rate is low. In stagflation, it's the worst of both sides. You have runaway inflation like we had 40 some years ago, but you have an economy that's not growing. It's, the growth is very anemic, jobs are being lost, and that's what we had in late 70s and early 80s. So are we heading towards stagflation? I believe we are not. We have inflation. It is not transitory. It's here. I, I do believe it will start to subside at some point sooner rather than later. And I don't think that this is systemic and will be with us for the next few years. I, I don't think we're going back to 1% or 2%. I think the new normal might settle in back at 3 35 or so, maybe even 4 Who knows? But we're at 7.9% now. And, I, and, and we could still tick a little higher in the interim. Um, but – I went back and looked from 1979 to 82, kind of the peak of those stagflation days. And I noticed that the um, unemployment, what I wanted to see was what each year, the unemployment rate was economic growth as measured by GDP and inflation. So from 1979 to 82, you had a a rising unemployment rate started at 6%. We're at 3.8 right now. By the way, the February unemployment rate is coming out tomorrow. We'll see if it, hovers around 3.8 still. But 1979 unemployment at 6.0, then it went to 7.2 in 1980, then 8.5 in 81, and then in 82, 10.8. That's kind of where it topped out. And then in 83 it fell to 8.3, but still historically very high. In the meantime, GDP growth, GDP growth was 3.2 in 1979. Good. But then we contracted the next year, 1980. We had a recession. GDP growth was negative 0.3. Ticked up a little in 81, and then it was negative again in 82. Down 1.8. So there you go. Rising unemployment, low GDP, while inflation was double digits. We think inflation is bad now at 7.9. In 1979, it averaged 13.3. It was not transitory because the very next year in 1980, it was 12.5. Then we get into 81, and then Fed Chairman Paul Volcker said, that's it. He really jacked short-term rates up. And then inflation started to come back down. So by 1982, inflation was only down to 3.8. And frankly, that saved Ronald Reagan. It, it got him that second term. His uh, approval ratings were pretty darn bad in 81-82 because of some of the aforementioned numbers so I personally don't think that we're going to hit stagflation because I still think there's a lot of pent up demand out there Uh, we just had some home prices that came out today uh, $405,000 for the, uh, the average home price now with the MLB app you can get baseball your way